course, most of these reports are obvious nonsense. Brother, you said it. A lot of highly imaginative people, some neurotic, some just plain liars, all swore they saw the flying saucer. Well, we tracked down every report, cross-examined every witness. And found out it was all about Not all of it, Mike. Some experts, commercial and Air Force pilots, also claim to have seen it. You're not trying to tell me you really believe there's a flying saucer. Here is the dramatic story that rips aside the veil of secrecy surrounding the momentous question of the century. Are the flying saucers real? What are they? Where do they come from? Hey everybody, what's up? Happy 2018. As we are recording this the day... Well, we're recording this the day after New Year's Day. But When will then be now? I hate... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one of those situations because we recorded with Aaron on New Year's Day, and yep. boy, did we! What a great way to start 2018! Immediately, Ugh. we had internet and Skype issues right off of the bat. Your computer would not load, and then when it did load, you had to reinstall Skype. And this was yep. as I was—I I started recording. We, well, okay, hold on, I'm jumping way ahead. <laughs> we have Aaron Gulias on this week to talk about his new podcast called The Saucer Life. Now, we've had Aaron on here before, and because of him being, we had him on here with uh, Patrick from Almost Educational, and then Almost Educational had him on their show as a result of him being on our show, and they met each other there, blah, 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 blah. So, um, I I was, I saw this thing pop up on, on Twitter, and Aaron's got a new podcast, and I give it a listen, it's called The Saucer Life, and it's all about um, old school saucer, like, pre-ufology, back when saucer stuff was really cool and neat and funny and, and just a whole different thing. It's all classic, all this old saucer stuff and UFO clubs and things like that. And that's the way he covers it. And he doesn't do it with any snark. He doesn't do it with any skepticism. He just puts it out there as folklore, uh, which is what I really like. So I bugged him and said, hey, could you come on the show? And it was real last minute. And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. I can come on New Year's Day, you know, whatever. And I've been twitching to record lately. So it all fell together. And then you went to log on and your computer died and then yep. Skype died. And then yep. I tried to call Aaron. And as with last time we had him on the show, there is this weird thing between, even though he's in Michigan, he's only about, I don't know, maybe an hour away from me up in Flint. And for whatever reason, our internet, our Skype never seems to work right. He turns into a robot. So we had to call him back and I had to do the interview via phone. And then about 10 minutes into the interview, you got Skype up and running. So there's going to be a point during this interview where it's the, 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 the interview is going to pause for like a second or I'll probably cut into a promo or something like that. And then poof, there you are. And we complete the rest of the interview. I think Half we only, an hour later. I, I think you only missed about maybe 10 minutes of the conversation. It was more or less just him introducing the show and saying what the show was and stuff. And then you popped up and I was like, all right, I'm going to stop recording and blah, blah, blah. And it mm. worked. And um, mm. we're as, as usual. We are our, our usual jackass selves and we have a lot of fun with it. Um First thing I got to say, though, is everybody needs to get right with Ashtar. You know, whoever, yeah. whoever yeah, you're Lord. Yeah, you need you need to get right with Space Jesus as soon as possible. And we'll talk about that later on in the show. But, um, yeah, hang around after the interview because we've got a bunch of junk to talk about involving Patreon and future guests and stuff like that. So uh, we will see you guys at the other side of this interview. It's a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoy it. See you at the other side. So 
So returning to us after a, well, it's been a little while since you've been on here, is uh, Aaron Golias, now of the Saucer Life podcast. So how have you been, Aaron? Not bad. Uh, not bad at all. How about uh, how about you guys? Um, other than the vast array of internet problems and Skype issues that we're having behind the scenes, because <laughs> Lobo is supposed to be here, but for whatever reason, his computer's not allowing him to sign into Skype or what have you. But anyways, so um, you have a new show now, because last time we had you on here, we were talking about the nature of conspiracy theories, and I don't even think that the election had happened yet. And no. Since then, you've had all this craziness with Russian hacking and all that kind of stuff, which led to its own world of conspiracies and problems and so forth. But you're on here now to talk about your new podcast called The Saucer Life. So rather than me try to describe it, go ahead and tell us what it's about. Okay, yeah. Well, I was looking at the original notes I made this summer about uh, possibly creating a podcast of some sort. And the, the note that sort of kept sticking there, no matter what other changes I made, was I want it to be like that hardcore history podcast, but not six hours long and about flying saucers. So basically the idea is, is every week, and originally it was supposed to be monthly, but it, it was fun, so I ended up doing it weekly. Um, every week I pick some aspect of UFO or flying saucer history, uh, trying to not get any more recent than the 1990s or so, uh, be it a person, a book, a sighting, a story, something interesting and something hopefully that hasn't gotten a lot of play. And I'll spend anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes sort of teasing that out with um, with some readings from actual documents from the time and and things like that sort of interspersed. So it's got some history, but it's it's about it's about flying saucers. And and I, I do prefer that phrase for, for this project, is the flying saucers, because a lot of the stuff I, I like to go back to the fifties and sixties before the UFO term uh, became uh, became standard. So it's um it's flying saucer history, it's hardcore history, but with flying saucers and much shorter. So that's that's sort of my um, extended elevator pitch for the show. What I like is that you approach it from the aspect of though it were folklore. Um, right. Which is exactly the way that I like to look at this stuff. I just a couple of days ago posted on our show, I found an interview with George Adamski from 1955 or 56. I can't remember which year it was. Right around that time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And... Um, it's that that era of of I don't even I don't even want to call it ufology because it wasn't quite ufology. It was it nope. was a it's a different time. And I find that era I, I very much look at it as though it is folklore. It's it's a, it was a different time period. You didn't have grays. You didn't have reptilians. You had hot Venusians in silver like body suits <laughs> and you had the Nordics and you had 13 foot tall aliens and. And it, the the encounters were much different and they were like, you know, we're here concerned about your use of atomic energy. And, you know, it, it very much fed into that that drive in movie era of the two kind of fed off of one another, for lack of a better term. So, yeah, that yeah. whole period fascinates me. Even the sightings fascinate me. Um, 
And that's what I really like about your show. I've had other people listen to it and they say, yeah, it's kind of boring. It's kind of staunchy, but that's what they like about it. Globo. That was exactly what he said. He goes, it's really boring. It's really staunchy, but he loves it. You know, I was like, what do you think about the show? And that was exactly what he said. And and, and I feel the same way. Um, you do really good production value on it. I'll say that. Um, when you read the articles, you do like a, a different effect on your voice to give it a different feel. Um, yeah, the production all yeah. the way around is very cool, and the concept of it is very cool. But it's not for if, if you're into ufology, which is going on now, you you might not find it of interest. I, I particularly, love I, I don't, it I don't want those people to listen. That's fine. I, I, I really, I, I don't, I don't need them. I, I don't need them at all. Well, let me ask you this: You I'm kind of answered it. No, it's I'm fine. I, I don't blame you either. I don't. Well, we'll get to we'll get to that, but. Um, you kind of answered the next question I was going to ask you. What do you feel was the golden age of saucer, of UFO saucer age? You know, what what was the time period? When did it start and when did it kind of fade out, in your opinion? I think, um, I, I think, I think it's, it started, I mean, standard answer. It started with Kenneth Arnold. That, it starts with Kenneth Arnold and his 1947 sighting. And, I've gotten into this on the show. There's some saucer prehistory. There's some pre-Kenneth Arnold stuff that's awesome. But as far as an actual golden age sort of things go, I think from Kenneth Arnold up to the issuing of the Condon Committee report in the um, in the late 1960s, uh, from the, the point where the saucers hit the news, hit the mainstream, hit the public as what are these things in the sky through the, well, could they be alien craft into that becoming the dominant paradigm and to this through this entire period where the air force with, um, you know, most you know, primarily project blue book uh, publicly paying attention to sighting reports and not, you know, being enthusiastic about having to be paying attention to them, but paying attention to saucer reports and these things being in the news and, and smart people taking this seriously. And then the Condon Committee comes along, the government-funded study on whether or not UFOs are worth looking into. And uh, the, the conclusion, uh, a disputed conclusion, even within the team, was, nah, there's, there's really nothing here to look into. Within a couple of years, Blue Book is shut down and the Air Force is out of the flying saucer business until, like, two weeks ago, apparently. But, <laughs> um, but, but we had this, this period where um, even though there were people laughing at the flying saucers, that laughter was, was tinged with a little bit of, well, who knows? Maybe it is. Uh, maybe it is sort of a real thing. But, but the Condon Committee comes in and, and really throws uh, a bucket of, um, of, of just sort of debunkery flavored water on. And, and there were people within the Condon Committee who, who felt like the fix was in from the very beginning, that, that the Air Force who sponsored the study had a very definite um, outcome they wanted. And that was an outcome that let them get out of the UFO business, which many in the Air Force leadership at, at the highest levels wanted to do. Uh, that's not to say there weren't people within the Air Force that were still interested. But um, I think that's sort of the golden age uh, from from the late 1940s up to the late 1960s, you've got 20 years. And within that 20 years, you can see a remarkable evolution from, um, like you said, you know, people in jumpsuits and 12 foot tall people and, and, and you know, sexy Venusians and, and space brothers and weird little hairy dwarf guys, a whole sort of, you know, kaleidoscope of 
of weirdness. And gradually that gets winnowed down to we're seeing strange things in the sky. And then we get the, the, the beginning of the abduction phenomenon there in the 1960s. And, and it sort of changes direction and, and becomes much more of what we're familiar with today. Well, even the abduction phenomena, it kind of went to it went from and I'm not trying to be funny about this, but it went from <laughs> I met up with a hot alien chick and we had sex to I was floated out of my bed and blah, blah, blah. And there was kind of an intermixing for a period of time. And then it seems like once communion came out and everybody saw that gray yeah. alien on the cover of the book, that was when that was when like the door slammed and things definitely changed from seeing flying saucers, which primarily, I mean, there were reports where people were seeing things that weren't flying saucers. They were also, that was mm-hmm. the one where right. the, uh, the spacecraft landed in the middle of the road and talked to the police officer. I can't remember what that report was. Uh, uh, Socorro. Socorro. Um, that's what it was. Yes. Socorro. Yeah. Uh, I actually have an old MP3 audio file of that police officer being interviewed. Somewhere. Oh, La- uh, Lonnie Zamora. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. um, but you, you, you still had, there, there were other sightings besides saucers, but the saucers were the primary ones that everybody gravitated towards. And um, you had a period of time where it's, it's it was kind of a magical age that we'll never get back because you had all these little saucer magazines, which you've covered on your show. You had the zine scene for a while. Right. Um, let's talk about that for a little bit because that was seemed to be like back then you didn't have the internet you couldn't just go online and go to a forum or whatever um there right. weren't really radio shows that covered this kind of stuff so the only way that you found out about like-minded people and this information was to go out and buy these these magazines so let's talk about that yeah a yeah it, it's there, there's a, a wide array of um of newsletters and, and scenes and um and, and some of the, the, the earliest big ones were, uh, were Nexus, that Jim Mosley, uh, who would be around for you know, about 3,000 years, uh, published. You had Gray Barker's Saucerian. And then the large organizations, large national flying saucer investigation agencies like APRO and later NICAP, um, think of them as sort of the ancestors of MUFON, uh, actually don't because they were a lot better than MUFON at almost everything. But wow. um, it, a, a, APRO and, and NICAP, and, uh, and they would have a, a monthly or bi-monthly newsletter that was sort of a collation of citing reports that their organization had received and that their investigators had looked at, analysis of news reports, and, and looking at things that were in some of the other zines. Um, Things like uh, like Barker's Saucerian and Mosley's Nexus, uh, and later Saucer News, and then after that, Saucer, eventually Saucer Smear. I was going to say uh, Saucer Smear, I think, figured into there someplace. And that yeah, one died out, evolved. what, about 10 years ago, I think, Saucer Smear died yeah, out? Um, uh, it only died uh, It only died when Jim Mosley did. Yeah. yeah. So I think 2012, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was, and, and Smear and, and Saucerian were, not just news, but also um, some analysis and, and, and discussion of the personalities in the field. Um, one thing that, that you see in a lot of these these magazines and newsletters, especially in the 1950s, is um, you get a lot of discussion of, of science fiction as well as um, as well as flying saucers. You get poetry. I was shocked at the amount of saucer themed poetry. That was uh, that was going around. Um, these were fanzines. These were flying saucer fanzines. And if if you're in any sort of fan culture, 
that back in the pre-internet days had fanzines. You know the sort of thing I'm talking about. Uh-huh. You know, a wide variety of material, different points of view. It's cobbled together and looks kind of amateurish sometimes, um, but but you can sense there's a lot of love there. Um, the big organizational periodicals like the APRO Bulletin and, and the NICAP, the NICAP, whatever the NICAP thing was called, um, they, they, they didn't have any love in them. They didn't have any soul. But uh, the, the early zines were were like that. And, and some of those smaller ones continued, sometimes only for for a couple issues. And you'd, you'd find out about these things because they would place ads in other saucer newsletters and saucer magazines, you know, for a sample issues and, you know, a self-addressed stamped envelope and you'd get a copy. And some of these things started off as just, just people wanting to talk to other people about flying saucers, much like other, like other fan cultures, you know, of, of the time. And, and that's, that's a parallel that, that, Someday I'm going to do a lot more research on, or if somebody hears this and wants to do it instead, go ahead. I, I don't care. <laughs> but the, um, please, please, somebody else write this. Well, book. you do a lot of work um, on your show as it is, to be honest. I know it's, it's getting to be, uh, it's getting to be quite a handful, but, but sometime I would like to look into the parallels between flying saucer belief and the development of organized fandom over the last 60 organized, you know, cult media, sci-fi fandom, um, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of parallels in, um, the sort of the story of infighting and feuds and things like this. You have this in, um, in my case, so, you know, paying attention, things that pay attention to Dr. Who fandom, you know, epic feuds in Dr. Who. Fandom oh yeah. That's happening in the star Wars community right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the stuff that now is on message boards used to be, you know, month to month letters back and forth and yeah. articles back and forth, which honestly made it a lot easier to keep track of at the time because you didn't wake up to, you know, 8,000 messages from somebody in a different time zone, continuing the discussion that you missed out on. So these, these newsletters and magazines um, provided, uh, provided not only information about flying saucers, they, uh, they, this sounds so pretentious, they helped foster a sense of community. Uh, but, but I think they did. They, they, you know, this was, this was, a, this was a scene as much as it was anything else. It, it wasn't just a community of researchers. In some cases, this was a community of, of hardcore believers or a community of, of debunkery skeptics or the best ones, communities where you had both groups sort of, uh, sort of sniping each other in the same publications. So it's, it's really fun. And if anybody wants to read some of these, you can go to cufos.org, uh, the Center for UFO Studies website, and they have a, uh, a pretty sizable archive of Whoa. early UFO magazines. Aaron, give me one second, because um, st- Lobo just got everything working. I'm going to add him to the call, if you don't okay. mind. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Maybe it was the ghost of an alien that worked for the government. You know, you remove the alien anal probe out of the story and it probably wasn't this guy's worst Saturday night. Welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Listen to Brent and John make sense of it all each week by subscribing. Find us on iTunes by searching Hysteria 51 or anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. 
All right, so now we got Lobo added into the call. He managed to get Microsoft up and running. He managed to get Skype Recorder hey. up and running, and things are working now. So we're just going to pretend that he was here the whole time. <laughs> Anyways, so, yeah, you were talking about um, the UFO magazines. I've been to a couple of UFO conventions, and I've found a couple of them, and they, they've got them, like, crammed in, like, these comic book kind of sleeves. And they yeah, always seem to want yeah. like 25, 30 bucks an issue and stuff like that. They're kind of these weird collector item things now. Um, yeah. And they were printed Which like. Which is really depressing. Yeah. What, what it kind of reminded me of is back in the days of old punk rock days, you used to have the punk rock magazine yeah. zines that the fans used to make. Absolutely. And that's kind of what it feels like when I see these things. And they weren't printed like super great quality or whatever. Yeah, but were in pulp a way. Magazines. Yeah, exactly. They were like pulp magazines. And. Um, yeah. But you look at them, I, I could see why they're asking for so much because they kind of are a piece of history, you know? Right. Like, I've got a, a couple of Greg Bishop's magazines here, and, and they're sacred oh, to me because man. you can't get them yeah. anymore. And, you know, and I I, ran, I met him down in Texas at a, a Paramania a couple of years ago, and he brought a few issues that he had dug up down there, the excluded middle. And <clears throat> oh, he's like, man. yeah, sure, go ahead and take these. I, I don't know if I bought them off from whatever he gave to me, and I'm like... <gasps> Oh my God! I've got copies uh, of the excluded middle from Greg. You know, <laughs> wow. And that was probably like that. That was probably one of my favorite magazines of, of all of them because Greg had. And the bummer thing is, he only did it for so long. And I, and we had him on here. I was like, Greg, why did you stop doing this? Well, I, I did everything I needed to do. I made contacts and. You know, I got the news that I got out there, and I'm like, yeah, but it was good news, and there's none of this left anymore, and you need to keep doing this. You know, so yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's the thing, you know. Um, something like that that the excluded middle was was a great zine with with great articles and really good interviews with people you didn't usually see interviews with, and you know it ends and that I mean it's absolutely you know Greg and the other guys' prerogative to end it, but you know you're sort of left with a sense of you know, well what do I read now? Yeah, you know? how do I? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, it's exactly I, I how mean, I felt. Yeah. I've been trying to bug them. I'm like, you know what? You need to put these into a PDF format and put them out there again because there was good information in these. They were great articles. The, the magazine was great quality. I don't know if Greg's ever going to hear this. Greg knows how I feel, so I'm not kissing <laughs> his ass. He knows how I feel about it. But um, it's like that was the last of the great zines. You know, now all we really have is yeah. 40 in times, and that's that's not really saucer-oriented. It's everything weird. It's so it is. And yeah, and, and it's a little slick, you know, 40 and times is, I love it, but it's, it's a little slick. It's also you know, expensive I, as I, hell. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Even the, even the iPad copies I buy, are, I can't believe they're charging this. Um, I may or may not pirate them, but I'm not going to say if I do. You might not, not want to say that out loud, son. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I may or may not, you know, I, I may acquire them from other people, but. So um, going back to the golden age of saucers, um, give us the, the aliens were much more varied back then. We've already mentioned the Nordics and the Venusians. Um, do you remember any of the other crazy encounters like aliens? The range of aliens was far different with encounters back then. Do you recall any of the different yeah. ones? Um, one of the things that, that sticks out to me is is there's there's a general sort of ex, expectation that they're in some way, uh, in some way humanoid, not entirely, but, but in some way humanoid. But one of the things that, that comes across is, is, is you get that, you get the impression there's a, a wide variety of, um, of different humanoids out there from uh, George Adamski's people from Venus 
who um, are, are basically just like us, only further up the evolutionary sort of social and, and, and ethical ladder, to um, the, the, the pale, sort of white-haired, um, be- oddly beautiful woman that Antonio Villas Boas had his, you know, vaguely sexually and very strange encounter with down in uh, down in Argentina, Brazil, um, Brazil, Argentina, somewhere in South. It's late. Uh, it's not that <laughs> late, but late. It, my, my brain's late. Um, so you have, you know, clearly two. It's New Year's Day, creatures. so you're probably partied out right now. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's been a long. It's been a Plus long. Plus, you're a college years. professor, so. <laughs> I've, I've been. I haven't talked to anybody outside of my immediate family in days. Um, it's okay. We're here for you. In, Lucky you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I know. Um, it, it all ends tomorrow. But, um, it, uh, it it you've got you know two humanoid creatures and like. Adamski's Orthon, the guy he met in the desert, and this this strange small woman making animal sounds while while forcing this poor farmer guy to have sex. I mean, two humanoid outer space people, but you know, completely different context to to who they are and what they're doing. Um, you've got the creature that um, uh, the Wisconsin chicken farmer Joe Simonton met who offered him some, some sort of pancakes. This guy offered Joe these sort of, sort of little round cookie pancake things and then just, just took off. Um, one of the things that strikes me about these old encounters is not just the variety of types of beings that come out of these, these crafts, but the wide variety of downright bizarre and inexplicable and kind of weird things they say and do. It's not just what they look like or how they act, um, it, or it is kind of how, not just what they look like, but it's also how they act strangely. They don't act in any uniform way. Some of them are telling us, you know, how to improve our society so that we don't destroy ourselves with nuclear weapons. Another group is handing out pancakes, and <laughs> down in South America, some woman is having sex with a farmer. It, it's, it's just you didn't know what you were going to get. And, and that's you know you don't get that now what you don't, I miss. You don't get no, that kind of courtesy from aliens. I mean, back then the aliens cared <laughs> about us. They wanted to have sex Would with you? us. They wanted to feed us. Would you want to have any real contact with us? We're on a we're no we're bad news. <laughs> now now it's that's like true. Yep. now they just levitate you out of the room and do what they want to do. Back then they tried to give you advice. They had sex with you. They fed you a meal. I know you're a comic book guy. <laughs> I know you're a comic yeah. book guy. So I'm going to bring this up. There was an episode of the Tick cartoon. Oh, Jesus. That actually made fun of the whole space waffle thing. The tick was a, kind of abducted by aliens. I don't know really? if you remember. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what episode. I have not, not seen that one. I'll, I'll send you a link. Is on, that the on one YouTube. with I Arthur? Maybe they were showing the tick a movie. Then they gave him like these space pancakes, and he goes, "Wow, dinner in a movie!" And I was like, "I know what that <laughs> reference is." So that's just a little sidetrack, but not a lot of people. Well, th- that, that story yeah. is kind of lore back in old school UFO. You know, ufology. Like, yeah, he calling it ufology, but that's that, that's the way what we're trained. You know, but yeah. um, you ever so, notice that even though that all of these creatures that's that come, you know, that are, we're told stories about. All of them are much more highly evolved than us. Even the little greys who look like castoffs, we must be like the misfits of the playground at this point. Yeah, I've said we're we're the we're the back we're the backwood rednecks of the universe. We're the inbred. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. We're, we're the idiot cousins that they, they hate to visit, <laughs> but they feel obligated to. Yeah. You know? We're the um, deliverance of the universe. We are hot trash. <laughs> we, we are. <laughs> and and the, uh, the contactees sort of, sort of make that clear, that, that we're, in, we're in the cosmic kindergarten. And, you know, eventually, unless we blow ourselves up, we oh, will please. achieve higher levels of evolution, but only if we uh, buy their books and do what, do what they say. Exactly, right? so, buy our books. But, but yeah, we're the, we're, the, we're the losers so far. You did an episode talking about um, the UFO club that existed up in Michigan and yes. several other ones about the Northwest. Yes. And I remember listening to that episode and, and what you were talking about. You were talking about locations in Dearborn and how Adamski came up here. And it's funny because I don't live very far from most of those locations at all. With I live within five minutes driving distance of most of those locations. So I'm I'm at work listening to you talk about this and I'm like, I know where that place is. I know where that place is. I know where that place is. But I had no idea that Michigan or even the Midwest was so deeply ingrained in the early days of this saucer phenomena. You know, I, I didn't either. Um, I was, I was very surprised that that early in 1954, that, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that there was a Detroit flying saucer club, but it surprised me that, um, that, 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 Big names like Donald Kehoe and George Adamski and George Hunt Williamson were coming out here. Yeah. Um, were coming out here giving lectures. And for some reason, I I just had in my head that until the late fifties, early sixties, these guys were mostly sticking to the coasts. Um, that's just the impression I had because most of the stuff that's out there, um, you know, Kehoe was out in Washington and. Everybody else was out in California and um, or New Mexico or somewhere. So I I was very surprised. But um, one of the things about um, about that, and this is I'm not going to say too much because it's um, it's an upcoming episode that I'm still doing the research on. But um, there's a, another sort of Michigan connection, um, uh, a guy who was fired for M- from MSU for sort of pushing these end of the world. Uh, end of the world things. Um, have you heard of the book um, When Prophecy Fails? Yep. I've, I've heard it was, of it, but that's, uh, that's about it. Okay. Well, it's it, everybody has a fake name and the cities all have fake names in the book. But And I've read the book and I knew these stories about this guy in Michigan who got fired for hooking up with this flying saucer cult. What I never knew was that was the same thing. That the people I was reading about, the guy I was reading who I was reading about in Michigan and the guy... Uh, Dr. Armstrong, who's discussed in When Prophecy Fails, they're the same guy. And so I realized that I've got this sort of, you know, it's an hour down the road from me, and I've got a trip planned to the MSU archives to look at their paperwork on when he was fired and what people were saying um, wow. about this. And um, so, yeah, in, in When Prophecy Fails, um, East Lansing becomes Collegeville. Uh, which honestly could be, and Detroit is Steel City. So when I read it, I always assumed it was somewhere in Pittsburgh. Hmm. I saw Steel City. I'm like, oh yeah, Pittsburgh. Um, but so I guess it was a really good euphemism for Detroit because I thought Pittsburgh. So <laughs> clearly they fooled me. But um, <laughs> there's it's it's a it's a good story about this flying saucer cult that was predicting the end of the world and and then it didn't happen. But but this guy and then he hooks up with some contactees out in California and gets involved with, with their nonsense. So it's much like the Detroit flying saucer club. This turns into a much bigger um, 
story than I expected at first. There's lots of rabbit holes. That and brings speaking me to of the Detroit Flying, yeah, go ahead. The, the contactee conventions that they had back then were, were much different than what you have now. Like they had oh, the yeah. um, the rock in the desert, um, which I just giant talked. Rock. Yeah, giant rock. They had the UFO conventions out there, and even even the mindset of when these people like because um, you had Adamski. Adamski was kind of the ringleader of all of this, which I was surprised when you talked about when he came up to Detroit about how uh, they were they were talking about an interview with the woman that met up with him that seemed like all he wanted to do was take her to a hotel room and sleep with her. I got a chuckle out of that, if I remember it properly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but even even the culture of the contactees was much different. Um <clears throat> It was a different time, though. That's why. Well, yeah. So what I'm wondering, like, it kind of makes me wonder, like, how much how much of these people actually did have contact or, or, or actually felt that they did have contact as opposed to now the people who have contact. They tell some of the people tell similar stories about gloom and doom and nuclear weapons and things like that. That seems to have moved out of the zeitgeist, though. Um, again, that happened in that transition period between. Well, we're not in the Cold War anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we may be again, but <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> but it made me wonder, like, well, how many of these people, as you always do, you know, how many of these people actually did have genuine experiences and how many of them were just having fun with the whole thing? Because Gray Barker, now that he's passed away and the years have moved on, it's been revealed that he was kind of a prankster and he really didn't believe in a lot of this stuff either. He was just in it, you know, quote unquote, for the money, which, hey, you know, good on you, whatever. So That's I wonder. shitty. What's that? That's just shitty. Well, you know, that's what I'm going to with this. How many people were in that golden age of UFOs were just doing this for the fun of it and, and actually did have encounters and didn't have encounters? You know, was it was it more about having fun back then? And how many of these people actually did have legitimate encounters? It makes you wonder. It, yeah. And it's it's one of those things where I I don't know. You know, it, it, it's I part of me wants to think that. Some of these people had something happen to them um, and they interpreted it in whatever way they felt they could. Uh, and, and this is what came out. But um, at the same time, it's so, so fake and so easily disprovable a lot of times, or, or it, you know, in the case of things like photographs, it's easily disprovable. Uh-huh. Uh, Damsky's photographs, for example, um, and in other cases, there's there's just no there's just no evidence to confirm it. Um, but like I said, you know, when I I've, I've written about contactees and when I talk about contactees, if you're going to spread a message about love and peace and universal harmony and you want that message to be heard and adopted isn't making up a story about flying saucer people talking to you the stupidest possible way to do that That's i don't know we have religion <laughs> I, you know i'm sorry it, that it, was it, probably rude <laughs> We're the wrong people to ask that question <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, you know, French Guiana was a lovely place to visit if you don't drink the Kool-Aid. I got to so, admit, I, yeah, I do yeah. like space hippies a lot better than what we have going right now, though. <laughs> oh, I miss the space hippies. We are. I, I really miss, I mean, 
Oh, I miss the space hippies so much. But, you know, it, it's, I, I just wonder if something inexplicable happened to some of them. Um, it had to. And others, it, it, I, I, think I, mean, it, it, I think it, I think it must have. Yeah, look, there's, I, I don't it, have, it makes sense. I don't have any proof whatsoever of my near-death experience. I don't have pictures. I don't have anything of it. I know what I had. I know what I felt, but I have no <laughs> proof that it actually happened. So right. I mean, it's it's a matter of do you do you listen to the person? Are you listening to the message? Or are you judging the character? You know, right. some of these wing nuts had to have something happen. They had to. I mean, it forever changed their lives. So they had to have had something. Yeah, but sort of miraculous happened. That goes back to that idea of was this simply the quote unquote phenomena messing with them and presenting itself? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but does it make there a difference go. either way? Well, if it was the quote-unquote phenomena messing with them, then yeah, it does, because it was just presenting itself to, you know... I mean, I can't lie. I would like to have a, a phenomena with a hot Venusian chick. You know, what am, what am I... <laughs> Sorry, honey, I couldn't help it. It was an alien. You know, what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm sure my wife... Would have with her death stranger. Yeah, my wife wouldn't let it fly either. She <laughs> no, I don't care if it was an alien or not. <laughs> said his name was Chad first. <laughs> <laughs> wow we I, are an I, odd I show think, <laughs> I, I think I, I like that you know the phenomenon messing with you so the, the tricksterish thing so so there's this there's this sort of you know two sides to this right you've got the phenomenon messing with you in some way or messing with them and then you've got how you choose to interpret that and what you choose to do with it Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's I think that that's the the in in between those two things that's where the contactees sort of emerge. Um, something happens, and then you know this is my calling to take this message that I've sort of suspected about you know race relations, economics, war, peace, government, ethics. You know, maybe this is the signal that I'm to talk about these things. And mm-hmm. so um, you sort of craft it into, after a while, the same sort of story that has gotten traction from other people. George Damsky got a lot of speaking engagements and got a lot of attention to his ideas from his story. So maybe a story like a Damsky's is the way to go. Um, that doesn't negate the ideas. It doesn't negate the possibility that they had some sort of experience. It just doesn't prove that the experience they had, that that the experience that they describe is the experience they had. Because um... if it's truly a strange enough experience, can human language really explain it as it really exists? So the tales that we get are sort of a best fit sort of interpretation sometimes yeah, maybe well, you know what we had some goat herder thousands of years ago claim he saw a burning bush and it was god people followed mm-hmm. that right along and they're still doing it so i mean yeah yeah i mean um yeah moses in the burning bush uh, yep. saint paul on the road to damascus you know you've got lots of ezekiel you know Joan of Arc. standard standard bible ufo reference ezekiel and the weird spinning wheel i believe columbus um, actually yeah. saw lights too on on the way to america he saw he, columbus supposedly had some kind of a ufo encounter off in the distance if i remember correctly oh really 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I think that, did I read that in the uh, Wonders in the Sky book? That Probably. sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the sort of, it's a safe, it's a safe assumption that I read it in that book. <laughs> that's an old one you could cover. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. So just, I, I think I'll just have an episode where I tell people to read all of Valet's books. Um, <laughs> there you go. Hey, I, I could do that. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something on, um, I'm rereading Passport to Magonia and, um, hmm, and a bunch of fairy books, uh, um, the Commonwealth of Elves book and, and some of those old sort of folklore things that have some of those yeah. stories. So I'm going to do a, you hear that Josh Cutchin? You about, hear that? Yeah. I know. I was, was going to say I'm, I'm, I'm infringing on Cutchin's gimmick. But, Listen up, um, man. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, I'm going to buy a euphonia and start playing in jazz band. Um, <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, we love I've you, Josh. Life. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, he would I, just I, tell I us to eat a bag of dicks. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm very excited about his new book. Uh, his new book he's been working on um, about uh, changelings and, and disappearances and things like that. So, did you hear our last episode we had with him? I did. I have not listened to it yet. Oh it's, God, I gotta send you a link. My, to it. it's, it's on my phone, queued up. Yeah, listen to, to it. Go. Give it. A, give it a listen. Um, but let's let me step back a little bit because of the way my ADD works. We were talking not too, a little bit ago about the whole Michigan UFO connection with the groups and stuff like that. Um, I was going to ask you, um, do you think that has anything to do with that big UFO event that happened in Ann Arbor and Jackson, Michigan and all that that happened way back in the day? Um, um, where they, the quote unquote term swamp gas came from swamp gas. Yeah, yeah, I you know what? I don't think so. I, okay. I think it's about ten years, uh about ten years difference. Mm-hmm. And the swamp gas sightings were, were it, swamp gas sightings. The, well, I know what you're saying. Ann Arbor, Dexter, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ann Arbor, Hillsdale, Dexter sighting. Ooh, Dexter. I just dropped some Michigan geography there. Dexter. Mm-hmm. Um great brew, uh, Jolly Pumpkin breweries in Dexter and uh, they are outstanding. Um, but um, yeah, I think that sort of, it, it, I never really thought of a connection with that before because, because the earlier is very much a 1950s contacty. What if the day the earth stood still is really a message for humanity, sort of optimistic um, world changing flying saucer belief. And mm-hmm. the, the sightings in the sixties were very much the, the lights in the sky, strange phenomenon. We're going to go, you know, talk to actual witnesses. Um, and, and it, if I had to sort of put my finger on it, all the stuff with the Detroit flying saucer club. Um, and if I get Laura Mundo slash Laura Marks, FBI file for my FOIA request, there's going to be a lot more on that. But, um, yeah, I'm very excited to get that. But that Detroit stuff in the 50s and the Dexter Ann Arbor stuff in the 60s, it's almost like if you want an emblematic 50s UFO scene and an emblematic 60s UFO event, those are two really good emblematic cases, if that makes sense. Um, Do you know of any Detroit, other ones that are outside of Detroit that were along the same lines that had the same effect? Um, no. I think those. I think well, the the Dexter Ann Arbor uh, Hillsdale one. I, I think that is sort of the the gold standard for Michigan uh, Michigan UFO dump. There's there's other things. There's the um, there's the um, there's some lights 
some phantom lights up in the UP that are probably reflected headlights. There was a disappearing um, bomber carrying two nuclear warheads back in the uh, back in the 60s as well, but there was no sort of UFO connection with that. It was more of a uh, sort of Lake Michigan Triangle disappearance mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, I, I think that you know weird cults like that, but I think the the, the swamp gas sightings are sort of the the archetypal sort of Michigan. Michigan sighting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, let me go on and ask you about this then. Who the hell is Ashtar? <laughs> I was just going to ask the same question. I just listened to that well, like, what, four days ago? Ashtar is the supreme commander of the forces of Sananda Jesus, who is surrounding the planet and protecting us from something that <laughs> has not been adequately explained. Excellent. Um, Moving on. <laughs> no, <go ahead. laughs> He's the commander of the forces of Sananda Jesus. Come on. Um, yeah. Ashtar. Good Lord. Um, Lordy Ashtar. Yeah. There's a whole cast of characters. It's Ashtar and his, his crew of, of space buddies that are, that show up every time you need to channel a spaceman. Boom. Ashtar. Um, Ashtar Command, they're in the 70s. There's, uh, the books that were channeled by Tuella are still, um, are still out there for sale. I've got the original plastic, remember that plastic spiral binding? Well, why don't we do that? Um, sort of self-published books. Do yeah. this. Yeah. Start from square one for anybody who has not listened to your show oh. yet, because this is a great lure to get people to yeah. listen to you. Because I'm listening to that episode going, what the hell Wait, you're just is going listening on? to it? No, I listened to it a little oh, while ago. Say, but when I was listening to the episode, listening. I know, but when, when I'm listening to this episode, I'm going, "What the hell is this psycho babble?" What I mean, this sounded like Heaven's Gate kind oh, of craziness. Oh, uh, dude, no, so, Apple White sounded like a normal dude compared to this. So start from the beginning as best as you can. Okay. It, it, if you have an abbreviated, which is damn near impossible to say, but if you have an abbreviated version of 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 who Ashtar is. And, and why we should okay. all be playing on Team Ashtar. Give it a shot. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Team Ashtar. Um, okay. So back in the 50s, a uh, contactee named George Van Tassel, who um, started the, who had the airport at Giant Rock. It's where all the, the big contactee conferences that we talked about were, were held. George Van Tassel began channeling messages from a number of alien beings who were in ships surrounding the planet. And the commander of all of these ships was a being named Ashtar. And since these were channeled, psychically channeled messages, you didn't have to prove that you met him out in the desert or at a coffee shop or anything. And as an added bonus, anybody who came after you who said they were channeling Ashtar, you really couldn't call them a liar unless you wanted to have to prove that you had been channeling Ashtar in the first place. So basically anybody who wants to can claim to be channeling Ashtar and, and or Hatan or Kasumi or any of Ashtar's spaceship commanders that are surrounding the earth. So what happens is beginning in the 1950s through the sixties into the seventies up to today, you have various people who claim to be channeling messages from Ashtar. 
And these messages are in the 50s and, 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 and 60s and 70s and 80s. These messages were take UFO stuff, throw out everything but the UFOs, replace it with Christianity. If you were at the end of that telephone game, you play with your kids and somebody explains Christianity at the beginning, whatever you get at the end of the telephone game is your understanding of Christian doctrine, put it together and you've got the Ashtar phenomenon. <laughs> it's got, you know, end of the world stuff, but the believers, the, those who are doing good, Ashtar will rescue. So basically if there's a rapture, it's Ashtar that's responsible, but Ashtar works for Jesus who is really another one of these alien space masters. So it's all okay. Of course it um, is. It, yeah, I mean, I mean Ashtar works for Jesus. It's fine. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's fascinating <laughs> because it's, I know, it, it's, I'm, I'm seeing my reflection on my computer monitor and I look insane. Um, Welcome. <laughs> I'm like making, I'm gesturing with my hands like I'm talking. And Ashtar works for Jesus. Um, Don't they all, though? I mean, J.R. Bob Dobbs. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's it's like it's like it's like you're taking this church of the subgenius stuff, but you're playing it straight. You know, that's, <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> apparently so. Um, but it, it's, you know, it, it, it's very much. Um, you know, it's kind. Of, sometimes it can be kind of uh, sort of a vague cop out to label something new age. This is the new age flying saucer, the new age branch of flying saucer in the the seventies and eighties. Is this Ashtar stuff, and um, it gets reprinted over and over again. I think the copies that are in print now um, of the the eighties stuff are published by. Um, I think. Uh, I think Timothy Green Beckley publishes them because Timothy Green Beckley publishes everything. Um, <laughs> if, if there is the man who brought you Commander X, so it's got to be good then. You know, Tim. God bless Tim Beckley. He's he's a he's been around since the early days of the field, and 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 he's keeping up that tradition of pumping out awesome, entertaining materials. For the masses um, that you read, and you're like, I don't know if I believe this, but I really enjoy it. <laughs> and that's kind of how the Ashtar stuff is un- until you've read, you know, every bit of Ashtar channeling that's ever been published, as I had to do uh, working on my yes, contact I ebook. Had and, to do. And then, says. It, yeah, it, it's <laughs> with pain after in his a voice. while. None of this is fun after a while. Uh-huh. Um, so luckily hey, the you're podcast, the one doing a podcast about it fun. now. You know, it, it's it's the sort of thing where um, people are like, are you going to write another book? I'm like, no, because but I want to write and I want to talk about flying saucer stuff. So this podcast allows me to write a little bit and do some research and and reframe some of my stuff I've written for a a, a, a slightly broader audience and. Um, and it sort of scratches that writing about flying saucers itch without the commitment of there's a publishing contract with the deadline hanging in front of me and I've got to do it all, you know, by a certain date. Um, so it, it, it sort of fills that, uh, that need for me. So 
is the Ashtar people, are they still around or is this, because you've got, like one of my fascinations and someday I would like to do a show on is UFO cults. And you've oh, got yeah. the Unarians and you've got, you know, you had the, um, the big one, of course, is the, um, the uh, Heaven's Gate cult. They're still around. Right. Sort of. They're still around. There's like, there's some of them still around running that ancient obscure website and somebody's still paying the server fees on that. There's people still around from the people's temple, man. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, they're called the CIA, man. <laughs> you know, and Scientology is kind of indirectly Whoa, a, no, we don't, a UFO. Don't use the S word, man. <laughs> um, so, is are are the are the Ashtar people still around, or is Ashtar morphed? Here's, or... here's the thing about the Ashtar people: anybody can be an Ashtar person. Um, if you say you are channeling Ashtar, then you are channeling Ashtar. And wow. if you go out on if you go out on the internet, there are a number of people who, um, you know, there's there's sort of this uh, you know, if you, if you look up for the history of Ashtar, Tuella, George Van Tassel, um, Ethel, uh, Ethel, Ethel Hill, um, who also channeled Ashtar in the fifties. There's those big names, but there's you know there's other places where where it's just a you know, a web page where somebody says, I got this message from, you know, Ashtar, uh, Ashtar Sharan, who's a spiritual being and, and part of the higher consciousness. And he told me this. And honestly, you're just as credible as anybody else who's ever said they channeled Ashtar. It's not an organized, um, an, an organized uh, a thing. Um, if you look at, uh, I just clicked over quick, um, if you look at uh, Rational Wiki, which, you know, they're the no fun league of the internet. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you look at uh, Rational Wiki, they refer to the Ashtar cult, but there's no, there's no leader except Ashtar and he doesn't exist. So I'm, I'm not sure that it's, it's really a cult. Um, now there might be people who channel Ashtar who start cults, um, and that would be, but I'm not sure you could really call that an Ashtar cult. That's kind of, you know, kind of throwing some shade on Ashtar that I don't think he throws some shade. At he doesn't exist. Um, but <laughs> you know, now Ashtar's going to get pissed, man. Then you're not going to be raptured away, man, and hey, you're not going to be able to Ash channel him. I don't want to piss Ashtar, Ashtar off because I might try to channel Ashtar, and I don't want the guy to have beef against me. You know, hey, you Ashtar, knows, Ashtar. Ashtar knows where I stand. My problem is with the people who channel Ashtar inappropriately. I've talked to Ashtar. Ashtar is a friend of mine. And Ashtar <laughs> said, the, any, anybody who's channeled me since 1987 doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, you got to so, get right with Ashtar. Get, you got to get right get with Ashtar right because he works with Ashtar. Jesus. Oh so, yeah, Ashtar works with Jesus. So. Get, oh, oh, my oh. God. And this now, is why you come on our we, show. You know, why are there no... Get right with Ashtar T-shirts. We're on it. On I'm on it. I'm gonna. I'm, okay. some, if you're a listener and you hear this, make a get right with Ashtar shirt for us, and we'll we'll do it. You know, um, get that up on CreateSpace or something, and yep. and and you you got one guaranteed sale right here. Yep. So um, we're, we're experiencing a boom in paranormal T-shirts. You know. So, oh boy, I gotta sneeze. No wait. 
Right Yay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I've been fighting the sneeze for like five minutes. Um, yeah, so so Ashtar is is just this weird, wild and woolly, um, wild and woolly thing. And and the other sort of sub Ashtar subordinates like um, it's an upcoming episode on the on the schedule for Hatan. Uh, a guy named Hatan, one of these, who's like the military leader. Back in the 90s, some person said they were channeling Hatan, and there was a, a big sort of lawsuit about, you know, stolen, you know, gold bars because these people were connected to militias and everything. But the upshot is that they created this newsletter called the Phoenix Newspaper or something, and it was nothing but a bunch of neo-Nazi anti-Semitic stuff channeled by Hatan, who works for Ashtar. And it's like the most un-Ashtar stuff ever. You know, it's none of this light and love. It's, it's, you know, the Zionists control the banking system and things like that. So, you know, that's the problem with with channeled contacts is anybody can claim to be channeling a contact. If if Ishtar is right with Space Jesus, then isn't anti-Semitic, like, not a thing? Or should it be not You're a thing? You're putting way too much thought into this, man. You, have you, actually, have you never I, met me? There, there's an <laughs> entire chapter in, in, in my contact ebook where I talk about this and explain this. So, because that's <laughs> my life. But um, basically, basically, the argument is that, um, that, that the, the, the people who are calling themselves the Jewish people are really a, part of a satanic evil bloodline and not really um who they're claiming to be so that's kind of how they get around it oh uh, so that you know, very basic contradiction of jesus being a jew oh, for the love of peace wow <laughs> wow all right that's some backwards podunk nonsense right there that's right it, it is it let is. me um move on to asking you about this so what was it like being a man in black <laughs> Tell it that was, story. Um, <laughs> it was very confusing. Um, very confusing. So, so basically, in a nutshell, um, back in 1996, there was a uh, a crop circle down in India, northeast Indiana, where uh, where I lived, and uh, my buddy Nelson and I uh, see this uh, see this in the papers. We go out to the crop circle, and uh, I'm dressed in in like a tweed well, jacket. You were part of a UFO like, group too, though, weren't you? Though before I you... was part of a. a UFO IA, UFO, UFO Investigation Agency. I was Strategic Investigation Team 1310, uh, officially. The guy who ran it, uh, his name was Randolph B. Warnicky, and uh, he was out in, like, Washington State. And I never knew what happened to him. And my buddy Nelson, who was in on this, he said, he texted me, like, last summer, he said, hey, remember Randolph B. Warnicky, which is a text I wasn't expecting to get. And um, I said, yes. He said, he just got convicted on child porn charges in oh, Washington State. As you and do like, if you're well, in ufology. I was going to say, well, that's sort of the thing these days <laughs> for, for some, of these, some of these freaks and losers. So if we throw pens in there um, and cardboard <laughs> cutouts and good Lord, I hope he enjoys prison. No, he's going to go halfway. Romac's going to a halfway house, isn't he? I hope he enjoys that. But um, there'll be people waiting for him. Trust me. Oh, 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 oh. oh some, some will he UFO get justice. anally probed? Ding. No. Anyways, moving oh, on. Oh man, <laughs> moving on. 
That's just wrong. Anyway, I, I was I was part part of this um, organization. I'd never gotten a call to investigate anything, but um, we we go check out this crop circle, and and Nelson is dressed all in black with like this trench coat. And he's built this sort of fake looking device out of a uh, one of those projectors where you could display a single slide at a time, almost like a film strip projector. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get there, and we're just goofing around, and he's like looking through the scope and walking along the side of the field, calling out numbers, and I'm repeating them into a tape recorder. And everybody else leaves, all the other looky-loos leaves, and, and this, this this old guy comes up on a on a four-wheeler, and he says, you, you, guys, you guys know about uh, the crop circles? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah kind of. He said, well, uh, I know all about him, and I know why you guys are here, too. And we're like, you do? He said, yeah, I know about you guys. We're like, yeah. we're really nobody. We're just pretending to be investigators. Like, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what they told you to say, wasn't it? I know all about this, and I know all about you guys, too. Yeah. And then, then, then he leaves, and we're freaked out, and then some hippies show up, and say they want to take our device into the cross circle to get readings for us since we have to say it's a prototype that probably doesn't work um, to prevent the hippies from stealing our, our device. And years later, I realized that, you know, this old guy probably told stories about these weird, strange people who were dressed in all black and in tweed when it was 90 degrees outside in Indiana, July acting very strangely and, and trying to shut him up from talking about the cross circle. And I realized later, like, oh my gosh, I'm a man in black. <laughs> Not a Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith man in black, but an actual, if you look at the stories of the, of, you know, you look at some of the stuff Keel wrote about in Mothman prophecies, these men in black act bizarrely like they don't belong on the planet. And that's kind of how we were acting. We were walking with an obviously fake piece of equipment, not dressed for the weather, and and claiming that we are students from one of your colleges. You know, it, it, it's <laughs> ah, and and so when you talk about things like the phenomenon messing with you, the the, the trickster effect and the trickster phenomenon, things like that, I think sometimes that phenomenon you know works through us unwittingly um i twisted the heck out of that poor old guy so what you're uh, saying here is that you were actually a government disinfo agent at the time i was assumed to be a government disinfo agent which is a distinction i'd make somebody thought i was a government it's not the first time it wouldn't be the last time because we're really but, trying to get that job and they don't seem to be paying attention to us no so they hate us if you've got any ends or anything or you can get us in the door we appreciate it because we kind of need the money. Just saying. I wish. I, 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 I file these these Freedom of Information Act requests on these people and these old contactees and like oh, maybe somebody it. will notice. I get it. Know, I'm just saying. Maybe, you know, if if you I, are I want, I want and you know people, here. I'm just saying if that were a theoretical situation, you know us. You know, I'm local for you. Well, so, you know, I, I'm that, just saying. You know, if, if <laughs> I I Jesus couldn't Christ. possibly say one way or the other on a broadcast meant for public consumption. Anything yes, I understand. I understand. Go ahead. Yeah. Going. Well, no, oh God. I'm totally going to edit this all out of the show. Go ahead. Yeah. This guy is totally, a, totally an informant. So the, the crop circle thing and, and, and me being a man in black is, is sort of this, <clears throat> this, um, this idea that 
that we can't we can't control how people interpret situations that we're a part of. Um, people will interpret situations in ways that nobody else possibly would. I don't think I came across as anything sinister or troubling, but I can certainly see how in certain circumstances, some old guy who was already seemed pretty paranoid might think that I was. Um, so I, while I wasn't a man of black, um, to that guy I was. And while I was certainly not desiring to trick him, we were completely honest with him um, once we realized that he was concerned. We, we told him the truth, and the more we told him the truth, the less he believed us. Um, we were uh, we were trickstering the heck out of that old guy. And uh, I don't feel guilty because I'm not sure what else I could have done except not show up at the cross circle to begin with, which might have been good. Hmm. But um, it, it's when when people talk when people sort of roll their eyes the whole George Hanson Hanson trickstery the phenomenon messes with you I'm like no you know what it does and let me explain how and how we can be unwitting tools of whatever is messing with people because um, it, it's it's a fun story but uh, you know the older I get the more I feel a little weirded out by it not not in the like oh my gosh it was so supernatural but that was it's just a weird situation. Sounds like it. Well, we've had John here for close to an hour now. So uh, yes. I'm going to give you a chance to talk about your podcast. I will say okay. that you say up front in your show with every episode that you approach it without any snark, without any kind of debunkery or anything like that. You are just there to talk about the cases and the history for what it is. And I really <clears> admire <throat> that. I really like that. You do have an air of comedy to you and you do have a little bit of opinion, but it's nothing. You're just making light of, of what's being said and what's being done. And I really respect right. what you do. So tell people about your show where they can find you anything you want to promote. Go ahead and do it. Okay. Um, the uh, good starting place is the website saucerlife.com. Um, there, there's links to, uh, to the show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, and everywhere else there's podcasts. You can also play the episodes right from the, uh, right from the, the website or download MP3s if you're old school. Uh, we had a request from a listener to, uh, to provide files to burn onto a CD, and I'm like, oh, that's charming. I love that. Um, I will give you files. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, and there's links to, uh, links to my books on, on Amazon there as well. Um, we, I say we, uh, it's the royal we, but... Uh, ah, uh, hey! All right, yeah. It's a running it. joke with us. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was awesome. my plan, folks. I'm as, I'm as confused as you. No, it's a running uh, joke with us. We're totally cool with it. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So what, what I've been trying to do with the show is, is like, like you said, you know, keep the snark and, and the, the snideness and the bunkery out of it, but, but not make it um, completely boring. And, and because there is some stuff to laugh at here, but it's, it's an affectionate laughing. It's not, um, it, it's not like stuff so they're stupid because they believe stuff. Um, it's look at how sincere and how goofy these guys were. And, and some of them, I, I just want to give some of these guys a hug. You know, Al Bender. I just want to go, go up and give him a hug and say, 
just get through the saucer crap and you're going to have a great life, man. You really are. It, it, it's, you're gonna, you, you and your wife are going to, are going to, you know, you're going to die a happy old man and you're going to, you're going to do, do cool stuff with the Max Steiner music society. And you're going to leave all this saucer crap behind and, and just, just keep talking about cake for a couple more minutes, but it's going to be okay, pal. Um, I, I love these guys. And and I love these stories, and I, I hope that uh, I hope that comes through. Um, I have a fun time doing it. Uh, it. It's it's so much. It's just as rewarding as as writing, but more fun because I get to buy microphones, um, and, and 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 I'm comparing cables now, you know. So um, I, I get to do that kind of stuff. So it's fun. Saucerlife.com. We're on Twitter at saucerlife and Instagram at saucerlife. And uh, and check us out, and um, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll like some of it. All right. Well, we're gonna let you go, but do me one favor and hang on for a second after we end the interview. Um, okay. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you for putting up with our internet hookups, that, hiccups, and stuff that we nope. had before the show all went no live and stuff. Um, I appreciate you coming on here. It's always a blast talking to you. Um, a because you're local and B, I just I really like what you do. I really like the way you approach this stuff. And I like the fact that I mean, you're you're one of those shows. There's there's like 30 different kinds of shows that I wish I could do. And you're in that realm of shows that I wish I could do because you're you're approaching this stuff from a historical aspect, which I really enjoy. It's kind of like when we repost our, our found audio shows, all of the old shows, like all of these old oh, audio yeah. interviews and stuff. It's it's history. You know, it's it's yeah, it's what it was before it became what it is now, before Tom DeLonge and people like that all became involved and <laughs> and child molesting <laughs> ufologists and all of these kinds of things. It's the history yeah. of where this stuff come from. And it's fun. You know, if you get into it, some of it can be dry and some of it can be stoky, but like Ashtar, I mean, that right there, you, you, you just... Space Jesus! Yeah, you don't see... Well, you do now, but it's not the same. You know, the, again, no. it's the hot Venusians in Lycra body suits having sex with people and things like that. You don't... It doesn't happen that way anymore. It's not fun oh, anymore. Good old days. It's, it, was, it was fun back then. It was different. You know, and you get this sense of... It's like... It's like being in the 60s going to a drive-in movie with the crazy yeah. robot monster, you know, stuff like that. It's got that feel to it. It's really fun. <laughs> and I really like that you do that. And I think it's, it's this you. stuff is important and it needs to be put out there and preserved. Because if there wasn't people like you doing this, this, this history would be lost. And it is history and it's very important that somebody does this kind of thing. So... Um, Thank you. Appreciate now that, that I've kissed your ass for the last five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been a lot of fun talking to you as always. And you know, anytime you. you want to come back on here, we I'd like to hook up with you like once a year or whatever, just to just to talk about the current old state of ufology. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. So uh, yeah, everybody, go check out the Saucer Life. And Aaron, thank you very much for coming on here and talking to us again, man. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you.
Man, these headphones are so bizarre. <laughs> there it was, Aaron. Today? No, I I got. What, what'd you say? Did you celebrate today? Celebrate, celebrate. Yeah. What? Well, it's the second day of the new year, and uh, cable providers are already raising their prices. Yay! Well, who didn't neutrality. see that coming? You know, so much stuff has happened since we um, took our break. The whole New York Times thing, which I was going to get into with Aaron, but I we haven't discussed that yet about the whole revelation of UFO junk. And we ended up getting so sidetracked and talking about other stuff that it was kind of like I wanted to stay in that realm of UFOs. I didn't want to muck it up with what's going on right now. But we will eventually talk about that. It's just a matter of who I'm going to get on here to talk about that. There is no disclosure. There is only Zool. It's not even, you know, we'll, we'll save that until we actually cover it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll save it until then. Mm. But um, as I was telling you off the air, I got a new pair of headphones for Christmas. They're noise-canceling headphones. So when I talk, the noise-canceling tries to cancel the noise that's coming out of my mouth, but it's going into the microphone. So I've got this slight, bizarre little echo that only I can hear. And it's really weird. But at the same time, I can't hear anything else that's going on outside of my headphones. So they're cool, <laughs> but they're weird. They're great for mixing down because I've done some mixing with them. I've done some audio stuff. And again, I'm always trying to improve the sound quality of the show. So I don't hear the echo because I'm not talking. But when I talk, I've got this really bizarre, like, marijuana, I'm stoned. And now you know what it sounds effect. like to be in my head all the time. <laughs> it's bizarre. Welcome to my inner monologue. So monologue. I'm, monologue. I'm, I'm not sure if I can record with these headphones because it's so bizarre. <laughs> so anyways, stuff that's been going on with the show. We had that happen. Net neutrality fell apart, um, which everybody had to have seen that coming. There was no way that that wasn't going to happen at some point or another. If it would have got rejected, it just would have came back around again because there was so much money and so much stuff behind this. I don't know. We're going to see what's going to happen. From what I understand, it's illegal for web providers to block people from getting onto certain sites. Now they can slow at the them moment. Down. Yeah. At the moment. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. I have it's no also legal for the government to tap your phone, but that happened anyway. I have zero faith whatsoever at all in big corporations. And I'm sure. Oh, come on. They're only looking know. out for our best interests, aren't they? No, but speaking of, of big corporations screwing things over, this whole thing went on with Patreon, and if you are somebody who's a Patreon and you're listening to the show, I know we gained we gained another one today. You know what? Let me see if I can find it. Uh, Allison Cook actually joined up, became Alice a Patreon. Cook. Why does that name sound familiar? I don't know. I think it's actually Allison. If you are listening to the show right now, I I don't I'm know sorry. if it's somebody who is actually just using a pseudonym. I have a feeling. I think I know who it is. But if it is a real person that we haven't heard from yet, either way, thank you for becoming a Patreon. We greatly appreciate it. Um, and I am going to try to send out some more stuff to Patreon people pretty soon. Over, as time has gone on, whenever I've gotten freebies that I'm allowed to give away, I've been trying to give them away. I'm going to be doing more book giveaways for Patreon people. I want to do, because I, I, I learned that whenever we recorded shows, only like three people actually listened to the Patreon content that I was putting up there. Most people just didn't, you know what, I don't listen to those Patreon shows. And I'm like, well, crap, but I put a lot of effort into trying to put something out there for people. But if nobody really wants to hear it, you know, I still want to do something for the people that are donating to the show. Moving on, Patreon, if anybody hasn't heard yet, and the Patreons already know about this, Patreon decided to do this jackknob thing where they were going to be like, Jackknob! Well, what we're going to do sir. is 
we want to get you more money, so instead of charging you the fee for having Patreons donate to the show, we're going to charge the Patreons that are donating to the show the costs of donating. And it's like... Tanky, man. It's stupid. It was really, really dumb because... I like I don't mind losing money to pay for the service of having people donate to the show because that's really the only way that people can contribute anymore. PayPal was too much of a pain in the ass. So mm. it's like, all right, whatever. But and then I'm like, what it sucks is, is we've got people that are like one dollar and two dollar Patreons that it affects them even more. Now they're paying a dollar ninety five or something stupid like that to be able to the donate to the show. So a lot of people are like screw this and i totally understood i I had no problem with it off you didn't want to be a patreon anymore because of it Hmm. not a problem because you know we're not right now we're not doing this to make money so you know i actually sent them an email and i called them and left a voicemail saying this is really really dumb this is not helping anybody (laughs) it moved bro it was it was really really stupid and so many people got a hold of patreon and said you guys are assholes that they immediately reneged on it and went back to the old process and sent out all these apology letters and all this stuff. I know Joe over at Ozone Nightmare, he had talked about it, about mm-hmm. what they were doing. And there was a few other people. Like a few oh, there were a bunch of podcasts that were talking about Yeah. It. I haven't heard anything from <laughs> Wheel Nerds yet, but Wheel Nerds is kind of behind on stuff. And by the time they actually record anything, because I know they they are they have Patreon as well. Um mm-hmm. That you know they they may or may not say anything about it because by the time it gets addressed, they'll they're they're behind by a bit anyway. So you know. Do you listen to True Crime Island? No, I don't. Um, you, that dude Cambo is a not. He went on a tirade about about, well, it was about them. Stupid, <laughs> you know. Like it's it was just really dumb. Like who? It, what it was is I think they were trying to capitalize on the bigger people like Joe Rogan and all these other people that have all kinds of money coming in from Patreon. You screw over the small guys, and that's what it did. And furthermore, it screwed over the Big people shock. that were donating like a dollar and blah. It, like anytime anybody donates anything to us, I appreciate it immensely. You know, if, if you yeah. if, if you give us a that's still a dollar. You know, if thirty people gave us a dollar, that's thirty bucks. That's yep. fine. You know. Whatever, you know, whatever, whatever is whatever. And if you can't donate to the show, that's fine, too. We don't we don't care, you know, but the way that they were doing it was just asinine and there was no sense to it at all. So Mm. anyways, if you are a Patreon and you stuck with us, thank you very much. If you bolted and jetted, that's cool, too. I completely understand. Just know that they immediately backtracked and was like, oh, shit, we're losing our ass here. What the hell have we done? And they've gone back to they've gone back to the old model. So, now that we've got that Coke. out of the way, we have a wave of people that since the new year have contacted me to come on the show. Uh, a couple of bloggers. We've got a guy from out in Utah. Let me see what this guy's name was. Uh, Don't say his name. Yeah, it'll booby trap yeah, it. You know what? Yeah. There's a couple of really cool bloggers. Um, we've got at least three of them in the immediate future that are coming back up again. Daniel got Harms is going to come back on. Yes, uh, fellow podcasters are in the works. Uh, Daniel Harms wants to come back on the show Woo-hoo. and just talk about magical tomes, actual real books of magic that do exist. Dr. Coke John? Eventually. <laughs> He's got it. Did you see that they just found a they found possibly a treatment for Alzheimer's when they were trying to find a cure for diabetes? <sighs> the thing, like, it's up to Tyler. If he wants to come back, Tyler, if you're listening to this, which I'm sure you are, if you want to come back on, he, well, he doesn't need an invite. He can just. Oh, I know. We love you, just, Tyler. Please come back. He could just shoot me a message on Twitter saying, hey, assholes, when you when you have free time. <laughs> just 
sent me a write-up on thylacine information. He sends so much stuff out on Twitter on a daily. It's to a point where I don't really respond to him that much anymore because he sends out so much stuff that I, I would just be responding to him continuously on a regular basis. Um, so, yeah, there's there's lots of guests that are in the works, uh, people that have been on here before that are going to come back. It's I know right now, without even trying, I can book our schedule up very, very fast, and I try to resist that because we have lives and I don't want to be recording something every single weekend. So, you know, but, um, I know there was more to talk about because it's, yeah. it's been quite a while since we recorded. Weeks. Oh, weeks. it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> huge not a, not response. Yet a month, but weeks. Huge, huge response to the Christmas episode where people came on and told their stories. Um, so much so that yes, we will be doing it again. And I will have Lobo involved next time because, um, um. Well, you just got to contact people. It's really simple. Just I, I know how simple it is. That's, in essence, what the spark is. It's me talking to people. <laughs> just say, hey, come on here and, and record a story with them and then save it on MP3 and I'll collaborate. And, you know, we'll, we'll put them all together into a big thing again. The last That show happened so quickly and so fast and so many people came on and told so many stories that I really wasn't expecting it to be that way. I just thought it would be like maybe a half hour. Hold on a second. People have been listening to our show for years and have wanted to come on to talk, and you didn't expect Not a response. Not necessarily true. Dude, you're high. Not necessarily. I, I wonder. I don't think we'll get the same response again. I think we will. I don't Absolutely. think so. I don't Absolutely. think so. I will bet you money, son, that that'll happen again. If we that we can get a decent amount of people on here to yes. come and tell, tell individuals. Absolutely. Now the Absolutely. story's got to be. That's the one thing people have to tell unique and interesting stories that are yeah. different from what's already out there. Dude, have you not paid attention to the people that are on our page? I, we got some weird cats dude, on that. We page. can't even get people to call our voicemail. So people don't necessarily like to talk on a voice machine, man. Well, that and we're so we're, when I call someone and I get their answering machine, dude, I hang up. Like we're I can't be bothered. We're also very accessible, though. Like if somebody wants to say something to us, they can tweet us or bug us on Facebook. We're not we're not hard people to get a hold of and reach. No, not really. You know, like our Facebook page has been growing by leaps and bounds. We've we've got all kinds of new people just within the last couple of months. I've, we've seen more growth on that page than I think I've seen in, in the years. Thank God, yeah. And uh, no, never, not every hundred people in the last four months. Yeah, that's that's huge for us. We would get a, yeah, it is. we would get that in a year. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's because we moved to a new server, or more people are out there talking about us, or hmm. I, like I don't to know. Think it's worth it all. I hope so. Which, by the way, if you're listening and if you don't want to become a Patreon, at least go out and spread the word about us. You know, <laughs> spread. Leave the us word. a review. Go somewhere uh. and review us somewhere. I don't know. Hysteria 51's got like 9,000 reviews. They've been around for less than a year. We've been doing this for eight years now. We've got six. We <laughs> <laughs> had some issues early on, though. So <laughs> iTunes doesn't like us. We, we've got no reviews. Somebody go and review us. Dude, we had a bunch, and then we were changed from a family-friendly to a rated podcast and we lost a bunch of stuff i don't think that should have that much of an effect on it though apparently you know? it did i don't know i don't know eh. so anyways oh, sleep. uh i'm gonna call it good and we will see you guys again and hope everybody had a good festive joyous turn up holiday season was it turn up or was it turn up yeah it was turn, turn up. up day yeah it was turn up day that's right um get right with ashtar remember <laughs> When you were walking and you looked down and saw one set of footprints and you asked Ashtar, I thought you were holding me, and Ashtar looked at you and said, sand people walk in single file? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, this is Rojan. Peace out from Detroit. Thanks a lot, folks.
Lobo from Connecticut, fiddlesticks. That's the best you could come up with. That's Dude, I got a whole list of stuff that I'm great. supposed to be using instead of swear words. Yeah. Fiddlesticks is the first one, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, that lasted real long, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right, peace, folks. Bye-bye. <laughs>
the most awkward shit on the spot yep. like instantaneously welcome to my brain <laughs> go eat your damn Ugh. chili or spaghetti sauce or whatever the hell it is you're yes making. sir peace peace <laughs>